0: This morning, we continue with our study on the book of Exodus. Exodus just really means true freedom. God told Abraham, you will be a father of great nation. All the nations will be blessed through you and through your seed, all the nations will be blessed. But he also told Abraham that your people will be in bondage for 400 years. After which, they will escape. They will go out. They will be in an exodus. Why? From a land of bondage to a land flowing with milk and honey. Many of us come to the U.S. Why? Because we think, we believe. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. Right? Right? God told Abraham. He already said what was going to happen. That's why if you were here when I shared with you our heart preparation this morning, God tells the end from the beginning. This is what's going to happen. So we studied the book of Exodus. Genesis was the book of beginnings. Exodus is the book of the exit, the true freedom. From bondage to freedom. From slavery to to liberty and we give you a snapshot last week I couldn't share with you the whole thing so I uh, fixed some things on the PowerPoint slide so that we can all see a snapshot a breakdown of the book of Exodus the first six chapters deal with bondage the next set from chapter 7 to chapter 18 deals with deliverance and then in chapter 19 all the way through chapter forty, it deals with sanctification. In that part of the book of Exodus, you will see the Ten Commandments, the book of the Covenant, the plans for the tabernacle, etc., etc. And every time we study Scripture, we want to relate it and how it identifies to the Lord Jesus Christ. The tabernacle in the book of Exodus is a type of Jesus Christ, because the true tabernacle. Is the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's going to be exciting as we study the book of Exodus. Now why are we studying the Old Testament? Why are we studying Genesis? Why are we studying Exodus? right? Well, if you have your Bibles with you, can you please open them to First Corinthians? For those of you who have memorized your Bible, I have it on the overhead. Let's read the book of First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for your information upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Is that what it says over there? Is that what it says? Yes? Yes. Really. That's what it says on the screen. It's a trick. See, first, of, first and foremost, first what? Cornetians? See, I, 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 th- I thought I'd wake you up a bit. And then what does it say? Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our information upon whom the ages have come. Is that really what the Bible is saying? No. What is the real 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 telling us? Now, the, this is the real one now. Now, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, not information, for our instruction, upon whom the age, ends of the ages have come information is different from instruction when I give you instruction what is the assumption there will be f- obedience you will follow why their instructions if I just give you information what is that for consumption Now why is it important to read the Old Testament and learn from them because the Bible tells us they were written for our, instruction why because james reminds us but prove yourselves what doers action obedience doers of the word not merely hearers if you only listen to the word and do not do the word according to james what are you doing that word delude yourself what does it mean in simple english you deceive yourself. You think that you're someone that you are really not. That's why information alone is very dangerous. And why does God want us to be informed and obey the instructions that God gives to us? Why? Verse 25, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, you see there the obedience part, and abides by it, not having a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be what? Will be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? well three people three people want to be blessed i don't know about you i want to be blessed and i have good news for you not only do you want to be blessed god wants to bless you god wants to bless you and how that does how does that blessing come about look at james 1:25 you live by the word of God. You obey the word of God. And God is practically assuring you, you will be blessed. If you read your Bible in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, what does it say? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night. And you shall be careful to do everything written in the book of the law. Then you will be prosperous. See? I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I'm preaching to you what the Bible is telling us. God gives you instructions, you obey, in your obedience comes blessing. The opposite is also true. God gives you instructions, you do not wish to obey, how can you expect the blessing? So don't get mad at God if He gives you instructions and you do not obey, and then you don't get the Blessings. That's just God's economy. He gives you instructions, you obey, there is blessings that come with it. As a matter of fact, if you keep on just, okay, just doing Bible studies, this is a quote from Manila. One act of obedience is better than a hundred Bible studies. Why? Because in your obedience, There lies the blessing. What good is it if you attend all the Bible studies available to you? In CCF LA, CCF Manila, on the internet, etc., etc. But you cannot or you are even unwilling to obey the smallest instruction that God has given to you. Truth does not change lives. What changes lives? applied truth. Once you hear the instruction, you apply it, you obey it, then you will see things change. But just to know the truth will not change life. Once you begin to apply it, then you will see the changes. Why? Because God wants to bless you. So that's why we studied the Old Testament. To learn. To learn from their mistakes. Oh, this is what they did in the past. And this is what happened to them. Therefore, I will not follow their mistakes. I will follow what they did correctly. You get it? This morning, we continue with Exodus. And I have entitled our message this morning, Don't Harden Your Heart. Don't harden your heart what do you mean pastor don't harden your heart well so that we discover what this message is all about why don't we commit this time to the lord in prayer god almighty we thank you that here in the u.s we have the freedom to study your word there are so many nations lord god what we refer to as closed countries where they cannot own they cannot read They cannot study your word. Let alone, Lord, that they are not allowed to worship the true God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we just want to thank you and commit to you this time. Be pleased to speak to all of us, Lord God, myself included, as we listen to your word. Hear it, take it to heart, and obey it, Lord God. And Lord, the blessings that you have promised are just a bonus to us and for us. Be pleased, Lord God, to glorify yourself. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Exodus. We were going back and forth, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. We touch a little bit on chapter 5. But let's have a short background. God calls Moses through the burning bush. And God says, I will deliver my people. Who is going to deliver the Israelites? Who? God. Is it going to be Moses? No. Who? God. So that's clear. Who is God going to use? Moses. So Moses is just an instrument, correct? Now, he says Moses, he describes what's going to happen. And then he tells Moses in Exodus 3 verse 19, I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go Except under compulsion. What does that mean? The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, will eventually release you. But it's going to be hard. He must be forced to release you. Will Pharaoh eventually release the Israelites? Yes. How do I know? Because in Genesis chapter 15, God already told Abraham, after 400 years, you will be released. Not because of Moses, but because God already promised. And when God promises you, He will make sure it will happen in your life. Amen? So God tells Moses, Pharaoh is going to give you a hard time, but he will release you. But it has to be under compulsion. What do we mean? Exodus 4. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. God you're telling me to go to Pharaoh and tell him to release your people, but you are going to harden Pharaoh's heart? I thought this is going to be easy. Why are you giving me a hard time? You want your people released, right? But why are you going to close the heart of Pharaoh? Because God already said much earlier. When God called Moses, Moses gave All kinds of excuses, yes? And then what did God say to Moses? Moses, what do you have in your hand? My staff. Throw it down. What happened to the staff? Became a snake. Get the snake. What happened to the snake? Became a staff. So Moses saw firsthand the power of God. Yes? What did God tell Moses to do? When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Verse 22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Compulsion. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. We will study more about that. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders, the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses when he performed the signs in the sight of the people. Why is Aaron the one talking? Not Moses. You remember? Because Moses gave all kinds of excuses, I don't speak well. I uh, I stutter. And the Lord's anger burned upon Moses. You have a brother; his name is Aaron. We will use him. I talk to you. You talk to Aaron. Aaron will talk to your people. That's why Aaron is the one speaking. Okay. And what did they do? Then, then he then performed the signs in the sight of the people. The power that God have entrusted to him. So what happened? The people believed. Why did they believe? Huh? If they did not see it. You and I keep on saying we are Christians. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We keep on saying it. People are hearing it. But if they see that your life is not changing if you don't look more and more like Jesus Christ, will they believe you? But if they see that God is changing you, you don't even need to say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Here the people believe. Why? Because they saw. Look Look at what happened. Look, look at the sequence. So they believe. After, after he had performed the signs in the sight of the people, the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and he had seen, his aff- seen their affliction, then, then they bowed down, then they bowed low and worshipped. I know we have touched on this before. Define faith. Faith is the assurance of Okay, this group is awake. Define faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. The apostle Thomas, when they told him that Jesus was risen, what did he say? I won't believe until I see his nail-pierced hands and feet until I put my hand On his side. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The certainty of things not seen. They believed because they saw the sign. And they heard. Then did they worship. You decide what kind of faith they had. And then we come to Exodus 5. Chapter 5 verse 1. Afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. So how did he introduce God? The God of Israel. Who is Israel? You don't know who Israel? Jacob, who wrestled with God and then God changed his name, From now on, your name is Israel. Who is Israel? The father of Joseph. Who is Joseph? The prince of Egypt. What does that have to do with Egypt? Because God was with Joseph, Joseph was able to preserve the land because of the seven years of famine that came after the seven years of plenty. Was it Joseph? No. It was God. Joseph was just an instrument. Verse 2, But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. Friends, if you don't have relationship, you'll not obey Obedience many times is just a byproduct of obedience. If I don't know the authority, if I don't know the power that is telling me to do this or do that, why will I obey? And we shared with you that this Pharaoh did not know of Joseph. Why? Because his father also did not know Joseph. It was only his great grandfather who knew of Joseph. This Pharaoh's grandfather did not know. Father did not know Joseph. So to him, who is this God of, the, of Israel you're talking about? Why will I obey him? I don't know him. And besides, why will I let Israel go? Uh, maybe you don't understand. Then he said, "The God of the Hebrews." Wow. Our God. You don't know the God of Israel? Okay. Our God. Our God is telling you what? Our God, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may what? We may sacrifice to the Lord, our God. Otherwise, He will fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. God of Israel, you don't know. Our God. The God of the Hebrews has met us and he wants us to go into the desert and worship him. If we don't, pestilence or maybe the sword will follow. What's the message this morning? Do not harden your heart. You will know that you harden your heart when you disavow, when you reject, When you deny who God is and who God is to you. Pharaoh rejected God. I don't know this God you're talking about. And why will I let Israel go? What did God promise? I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Is it coming to pass? Little by little. The scriptures say in Romans nine seventeen, says to Pharaoh, For this purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Why did God harden the heart of Pharaoh? Because God wanted to demonstrate to the world who he is. Do you see that in the verse? So that the whole world may know that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole world. God has his plan. God has his purposes. We may not understand everything, but that's why the Bible tells us, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Exodus 5 verse 4. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from the work? Get back to your labors. What are you doing here? You're wasting my time. You should be working. And what is the work? Making bricks. For what? For the Egyptian buildings. You and I were meeting here. And the work is not going on. Because you and I are meeting. You know, I am still in, uh, in the Philippines working in the stock market and the financial institutions. We have this saying, there's no money in meetings. There's no money in meetings. Why? Meetings are, are made outside. You spend a lot of time meeting, no work is getting done. Same idea. What? You and I are meeting. Why are we meeting? You should be laying, making bricks. You're delaying the progress. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors? So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, you are no longer to give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. What is Pharaoh's assumption? You're giving me an excuse. You want three days vacation. You don't want to make bricks. You want to go on vacation for three days. You are a bunch of lazy people. You should be making bricks. You're lazy. This is an excuse to worship God. In your workplace environment, how do your co-workers who do not know the Lord, how do they view you? Lazy? When you work, do you work with excellence? Do you come on time? Do you leave on time, not early? When you do your work, you work it with diligence, with excellence. Look at Pharaoh's analysis. You just want a three-day vacation because you guys are lazy. And you're using your God as an excuse. Verse 9. Let the labor be heavier on the men. And let them work at it so they will pay no attention to false words. Mm. Give them more work so that they don't think about this going to the desert and leaving and worshiping God. Just give them more work. You see, many times when we encounter the word of God, we, we, we think it will be okay, right? Oh, yes. Everything will work out. Everything will be easy. Did it become easy for them? Moses went to Pharaoh. God. The God of Israel says, let my people go. The God of the Hebrews has met with us and he tells us to go and worship. What happened? Oh, is that true? Okay. Why don't you take five days? No. Okay. You lazy people, from now on you will make bricks without straw. You will look for your own straw. I'm not going to provide you any straw. But The quota is still the same. If you are, each and every one of you is supposed to make 100 bricks every day with straw, now you will still need to give me 100 bricks, but you will have to look for your own straw. How many of you people cook? I'm not going to just say ladies, because some of the men here cook. Right, Peter? Yes. Yes the straw is like a binder how is, the, how is the clay going to set if there is no straw if there is no binder so you be making it but there's no straw and then when you bake it in the sun what happens it will crumble oh, you cannot count that as one you have to make another one and what, eventually what will happen? You will not make your quota. Why? Because you lack the ingredients. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I'm not going to give you any straw. You, and you, you go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it. But none of your label will be reduced. So the people scattered through the land of Egypt to gather stubble, for straw. They just look for anything and everything that they could use so that they could meet the quota. Did you read the latest news about Wells Fargo Bank? Mm. We have a quota. People in sales, you know, you have a quota. What did they do? They created fictitious accounts. Why? We have to meet the quota. So they did a lot of shortcut. They talked to people, I give you $100, open an account, and then after that, you close the account, at least a quota. They were given a quota, and they had to meet the quota. If not, what would happen? The taskmasters pressed them saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Possible if you are one of these Israelites, you're just doing your job. All of a sudden, there is an order, there's an instruction from now on, no more straw, huh? And the quota is the same, huh? Who is responsible for this? I'm doing my job. Why all of a sudden we have this penalty? Wouldn't you think that way? So the taskmasters, you know, you see the chain of command from Pharaoh to the taskmasters, and then there are foremen. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not completed your required amount either yesterday or today in making brick as previously? Were they making the quota? No. How many days already? Adjust to this passage. Yesterday and today, they're falling short. And as a result, what are these taskmasters doing to the foremen? Command responsibility. They were the one being beaten. So if you're the one being beaten because your people are not doing the quota, what are you going to do? You're going to take it out on your people, correct? That's just, that's just how it is. Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh saying, why do you deal this way with your servants? At least they asked, right? At least they asked. Pharaoh, what did we do? Why are you treating us this way? We were producing so much With the straw, and now you give us this new commandment, it's very hard. Why are you treating us this way? We are already your servants. We'll do whatever it is you want us to do. But why are you treating us this way? What did Pharaoh reply? There is no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are being beaten. But it is the fault of your own people. Why? But he said, you are lazy. Lazy, very lazy. Therefore, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. See, he's stuck on this idea. You don't want to work because you want to worship God. That's your excuse. You're just lazy. You're lazy. You want to say, let us go and worship to the Lord. So go go, go now and work, for you will be given no straw. Yes, you must deliver the of bricks. Impossible. The foremen, the sons of Israel, saw that they were in trouble because they were told, You must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. Who is responsible for this new edict from Pharaoh? Huh? Who? And. So, if you're the Israelites and now you're having a hard time, I'm the foreman, I'm being beaten, and the Pharaoh is telling me, same quota, less ingredients, same quota, and then I'm being beaten, and you're being beaten, in your mind, what are you thinking about? Who is responsible? Who is responsible? And who is responsible? Moses and Aaron. And what's happening? Look. The foremen, the sons of Israel, saw that they were in trouble because they were told, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, they met, ta-da, the reason for their troubles. And who is the reason? Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. They said to them, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. You are responsible. Moses and Aaron, who demonstrated for them that God was with them, that God had given them the power, and they believed, and they heard that it was God's plan To liberate them. And they even bowed in worship. Now, the same two, Moses and Aaron. What are they being accused of now? You have made us odious to Pharaoh. Now, we might even die because of you. Don't harden your heart. When you are dissatisfied, With how things are going on. When you disavow God, you don't know Him, you reject Him, you're hardening your heart. When you're dissatisfied with how God wishes to execute His plan for your life. Just like these Israelites, they were dissatisfied. First, they were worshipping God. And now, all of this happens as part of God's grand plan. The bigger picture. And now what? Oh, you, Moses, Aaron, you brought us this calamity. God, why did you give me this husband? God, why did you give me this wife? God, why did you give me my parents? God, why did you give me these children? You become dissatisfied. With how God wants to work things out. Because you think that your timetable is God's timetable. God, I've been submitting to the husband of mine, this unloving husband of mine for the past 27 years. When will this journey end? You know? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Galatians chapter 5 says, The fruit of the Holy Spirit Is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Where is that going to come from? The Holy Spirit. Yes or no? If you have the Holy Spirit, can the Holy Spirit reproduce all of that in you? Yes or no? Who can take that away from you? No one. So when you lose the joy because you have an unsubmissive wife, an unloving husband, Parents who exasperate you, children who disobey and dishonor you, okay? Who made the choice to lose the joy that God has promised you through the Holy Spirit? Answer me. Because my response is my responsibility. No one can take away my joy unless I give it away. Because God has promised me that that, all those nine facets, are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You cannot tell your wife, you cannot tell your children, you cannot tell your husband, you rob me of my joy. Next time, if they tell that to you, you tell them in return. You gave it away. <laughs> I'm responsible. If I choose to be under the control and leading of the Holy Spirit, despite what's going on, I will experience love and joy and peace and pa- and all this. But if I choose not to, I can always expect the other side as well. Why? We become dissatisfied with God's plan. We become dissatisfied with God's timetable. We become dissatisfied with how God is exercising His plan for us. What is God's plan for the Israelites? To liberate them from Egypt. To bring them to a good, a spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. God used Aaron and Moses To demonstrate, I have given power to Moses. I have given power to him and Aaron to speak on my behalf. And then at the moment's notice, little sign of persecution. You have made us odious to Pharaoh and now he's going to kill us. Wait, it was God's plan in the first place, right? So you lose sight of the big picture already? Because you're undergoing this little persecution here, this little persecution over there. What if Pedro commanded them? Make bricks without clay. Mm. Oh, that's even worse. Right? Make bricks but no clay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't be satisfied. Why? Because when you disavow and you become dissatisfied, you are hardening your heart. So how did Moses and Aaron react? Do not harden your hearts. As, at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, I showed Exodus 18 last week to you. They were complaining. They were already out of Egypt. They were in the desert. Of course, in the desert, it's hot. You need water more than you would need food. And God was faithful to provide everything, day in and day out, right? And then, because of these obstinate people, the Egyptians, uh, the Israelites, they keep on asking, 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 always asking but complaining. And finally, God told Moses, speak to the rock. And then when you speak to the rock, the water will go out from the rock. Can God do it? Yes. Why? Because he's God. But because Moses was angry with these complaining stiff-necked people, what did Moses do? He took his rod and he struck the twice. The twice? (laughs) He struck the rock twice. What did the psalmist say? Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. Keep on complaining. Keep on complaining. God continues to provide. They continue to complain. Don't harden your hearts as you did in Meribah. That sin when they were complaining about the water and what was the result of that when Moses did not display God's holiness to the people you are not going to enter the promised land you cannot enter with them how did Moses respond then Moses returned to the Lord and said Oh Lord why have you brought harm to these people why did you ever send me? Remember that was one of his excuses God can you just send somebody else? What if they don't believe me who way I'll tell them send me I don't know how to talk talk well I know all I know is sheep language for 40 years I've been tending sheep. They don't reply. I don't know how to communicate anymore. Can you just send somebody else? Here again, why did you send me? Did God not tell Moses what his plan was? Of all the people we're talking about, didn't Moses know what God's plan was? Yes? Why is he now doubting? Why did you send me? Verse 23, ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to these people. And look at that. And you have not delivered your people at all. Can you say that at this particular part that Moses really believed? God already told Moses Pharaoh will let them go only under compulsion God never promised Moses it was going to be easy but then when the people whom he is trying to help begin to blame him and accuse him who does he blame? God is it not the same with you and me? When things are okay, praise the Lord, hallelujah. When things are not going well, where is the Lord? Why? Right? It's all God's fault. Moses said, You have not delivered your people at all. Is this true? Is this true? Oh, kanina, yes, tapos no. Ano ba talaga, boss? Ah. <laughs> yeah. This is part of the process. You know, this is part of the process because God is hardening the heart of Pharaoh because God promised that he will release them but only under compulsion. So this is part of the big plan, the big picture. These are one of the small details. But then, Moses, because now he's being accused. Ah, what did you say? You have not delivered your people at all. Even Moses now. Even Moses now is being affected. Don't harden your heart. Disbelief will harden your heart. You know that all the good promises of the Lord have come to pass not one of them has failed when god promises you something you trust god to fulfill it in his way in his time first samuel chapter 6 tells us why then did you harden your hearts as the egyptians and pharaoh hardened their hearts when he had severely dealt with them did they not allow the people to go and they departed all of this is part of God's big plan. Now, here you have this. When you, why then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? Who the, who hardened their hearts? God? Who hardened their hearts? Themselves? Which is which? Answer? Yes. You remember? Pass or fail? Answer? Yes. God allowed them to harden their hearts. But their response to God also was a hardness of heart. So both are true. God allowed it. Because God had a big plan. So that God would use Pharaoh. So that through him, God would be proclaimed. And God has his own machinations. God has his own way that he will accomplish his good pleasure. Disabow, dissatisfaction, disbelief, and of course, lastly, disobedience. You keep on disobeying God, your heart will be calloused, your heart will be hardened. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13. Eh, Oh, Pastor, I thought we're in Exodus. Okay, bear with me. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by what? The deceitfulness of sin. Disobedience is sin. You keep on sinning, you will harden your heart toward God. Hebrews three, fourteen and 15. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. When did they provoke God? While they were in the desert, they provoked God. They disobeyed God. They did not believe God. Therefore, what happened? The journey, the journey out of Egypt into the promised land became a journey of 40 years. Because they disobeyed God, what would have been a short journey became a journey of 40 years. And God said, none of this unbelieving generation will enter my rest. So Hebrews chapter 3 is referring back to the book of Exodus. We harden our hearts when we disavow, when we reject who God is. We harden our hearts when we are dissatisfied with how God executes his plan and timing in our lives. We harden our hearts when we choose not to believe. And we harden our hearts when we choose to disobey God Pharaoh's heart was being hardened by God but at the same time the hearts of the Israelites were also being hardened how do you and I know if our hearts are hardened may I share with you as we close Deuteronomy 15 verse 7 if there is a poor man with you one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land which the Lord your God is giving to you. You shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. When your heart and my heart is hardened, we do not want to become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We close our heart to the needy brethren Among us. That is one sign. That you become indifferent. You become distant. You do not want to help anymore. Why? Because your hearts have been hardened. What is the Bible telling us? Today. When is that? Today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Is God speaking to you this morning? Is there an area in your life that God wants to deal with? And that God wants to do his surgery to remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. Let's pray. God, we don't necessarily understand all the things that you do and allow in our lives. And just to be real about it, Lord, if we did, then we are already God. But because you alone are God, it is to you that we Cry out to Lord God this morning in prayer that you will reveal to us, Lord, the areas in our lives that we have hardened our heart towards you and maybe even, Lord, towards the people around us. Teach us, Lord, to accept you, to accept your will. And to accept the way that you're executing your good and perfect will and plan for our lives. Do not allow us, Lord God, to harden our hearts. But teach us, Lord, to have a heart of compassion, especially to those who do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And God, if there is anyone here in this sanctuary... Whom you are speaking to. And you're telling this person, today is the day of salvation. Will you allow this person, Lord God, whoever it may be, godly sorrow that leads to repentance, that will lead to salvation. God, we can only obey if we have relationships. And the most important relationship that we can have, Lord, is a personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning and you want to humble yourself, repent of your sins, and accept Jesus Christ into your life, not only as your Savior, but as your Lord, will you just pray? And tell God that you want to turn away from your sin. That you want to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And you want the salvation that He's freely giving you today. Just between you and the Lord. Nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and God brings to mind someone Maybe your own family member, maybe your relative, maybe your, your co-worker, maybe your, your co-church member against whom you've already hardened your heart. Will you tell the Lord God? Will you soften my heart, Lord God? God, I praise you and I thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit in our midst. Your word is powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword, even able to pierce bone and marrow. Will you gently do your surgery, Lord God, in our midst? And do not allow any one of us, Lord God, unchanged by the power of your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't harden your heart. Don't disavow God. Don't disdain His plan by being dissatisfied. Believe in what God has to say and in your belief, obey Him. And of course, as we always do, we have our discussion questions. We, We break out into our smaller groups a picture of what goes on in our discipleship meetings throughout the week. And we have three questions for you. Is there someone against whom you have hardened your heart? What do you believe God wants you to do? And then, of course, because we want you to obey, what are you going to do about it?